All right. Well, uh, this morning, uh, Craig was going to preach on Hebrews 4, there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And I just, I can't wait till he gives that sermon <laughs> because God's been speaking to me about Sabbath rest quite a bit. But um, we're going to segue from, from Hebrews uh, to Matthew, just Matthew chapter 14, and, and, and talk about the heart of God. What is the heart of God like? What is his heart towards us as his children? There's a few stories in Jesus' life uh, that, that speak to that. Last week, Craig shared from Hebrews about how to nourish our faith, how to strengthen our faith and our trust in him. And one of the ways that that happens is understanding the ways of God. Remember him talking about that. One of the ways of God is God rewards those who diligently seek him. That is true. God rewards those who seek him. He is the rewarder. He is the giver. And we'll see how he does that uh, in the message today. Jesus also said, um, to know who God the Father is, you just need to look at me, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then his disciples are still a little confused. Show us the Father, you know. And in John 14, verse 9, Jesus says, to he who has seen me has seen the Father. So we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus' life and his care and concern and his heart for us. As we see Jesus' heart for us, we see God the Father's heart for us. Because Jesus and the Father, of course, are one. So let's pray. Lord, I ask you, God, open our eyes, our hearts, our spirits, our minds, our souls, to receive truth this morning. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is the final authority on life. Your word is the window in discovering who you are. And I pray, God, that you would help us discover in a deeper way who you are today and that we'd be changed by that. We invite you, we ask you to be with us. Speak to us, oh God. May we hear Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to start out reading Matthew 14, verse 10 through 13a first. And if you could uh, put the presentation up, just, just keep it on the first, the first slide, I guess, for now, as we read this. Um, Okay, Matthew 14, starting to verse 10. The context of this chapter is the, the murder, the assassination of John the Baptist. You know the story. Herod was having adultery with this woman. The woman's daughter danced. Herod made a very foolish vow. I loved your dance. I'll give you anything you want, even half my kingdom. What a foolish thing to say. Um, so she asked for, prompted by her mother, she asked for the head John the Baptist. So in verse 10, so Herod sent and had John beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. 
we we'll stop right there. So the text doesn't tell us went through, what went through Jesus' mind or what he said, but it tells us this. When he heard that news, he went to be alone in a desolate place. And my supposition is that Jesus is grieved and hurt by this news. John was a relative of his. John was the greatest prophet that ever lived, according to Jesus. John was the forerunner of him, the forerunner of the Messiah. Now, Jesus probably knew this was going to happen, but he heard horrible news, savage assassination of this man that God had created and chosen. I can also imagine Jesus thinking through all of history as he told, remember the woes on the Pharisees? You kill the prophets that I send you. Every one of them, you murder them. And just, he was most likely grieving over that. That evil lurks in the minds and hearts of men. And, and I send people to teach them the right way, and they kill him. The heart of God grieves. So the first point I want to make is Jesus grieves. You remember the day that Jesus wept? Shortest verse in the Bible. The death of Lazarus. I, for a long time, I never could figure that out. Why is Jesus weeping when he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead? I mean, come on. Why don't you say, hey, guys, let's party. I'm going to raise this guy. This, you know, he doesn't do that. When does he start weeping? It isn't when he heard the news of his death because he predicted his, to his disciples that he's going to die. But um, and he knew that he was dead before he even went down there. But it's, it says in, in, um, in that story that when he saw Mary and the others weeping, he wept. And that shows us that God grieves with us over death. Death was never part of the plan. It was never his intention. His intention was that Adam and Eve would live with him forever. And even though in his foreknowledge he knew all this was going to happen, it was never part of the plan. Jesus is weeping over what death does to us, right? It separates us from loved ones. So Jesus grieves. Jesus grieved over the death of John the Baptist, his friend, his relative. Probably played with him when he was a little kid. He also is most likely grieving over sin and what it does to his creation and to people. You know what the very first recorded emotion was of God? It's recorded in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, it says, verse 5, when he saw how great the evil one in his men's heart and every intention of his heart was for evil, he was grieved that he had made man and his heart was filled with pain. The first recorded emotion of God is grief over what happened. The, so, so perhaps Jesus was grieving over just what sin is, what sin does, the, the corrupting power of sin to people like Herod and, and his, uh, the woman that he was having adultery with. So Jesus is grieving 
Perhaps Jesus was thinking about his impending death is coming. But the point I want to make here is that when you are suffering loss, when you are going through pain, when, when you think back of things that have been taken from you, when you have, think back to what things have been done to you, perhaps abuse of some kind, Jesus grieves with you. He's with us in our grief. He bears our sorrows, right? He's with us in our grief. So if you have lost something, if you have gone through pain, whether it's large or small, know this, that Jesus grieves with you. God is not like man in his emotions, but it says that Jesus experienced emotions, holy emotions, but pure, raw emotions. So he understands our grief. He understands our troubles. He understands what we're going through. Both because he's God and he knows all things. Also because he was man and he experienced the same thing. So Jesus wants to be alone. He takes this boat all by himself, sends his disciples somewhere else. and He's got this plan to be alone and, and, and just pray and grieve over the loss of John the Baptist. What does he meet when he gets on the shore. We'll read on in the story. Second part of verse 13. But when the crowds heard, they followed him on foot from the towns. So then when he went ashore, he didn't see a lonely place anymore. He saw a great crowd of people. And what did Jesus do? He had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to get food for themselves. But Jesus said, no, you give them something to eat. This is the feeding of the 5,000, right? We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them to me here to me. So he ordered the crowds to sit down, and he multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed not just 5,000, there's 5,000 men probably another 5,000 women, and probably another several thousand children, right? So over 10,000, maybe 15,000, with five loaves and two bread. It strikes me here, you know, Jesus had an agenda, right? He wanted to be alone. He just heard horrible news. He wanted to be by himself and pray, get together with his father. And he meets this crowd, <laughs> and he had compassion on them. That says my second point here. Jesus cares. Crowds find him. He wants to be alone, but instead he spends all day healing them and then all evening feeding them because he cares. Jesus always lets his compassion for people supersede whatever agenda that he has. Now it's important for us to also understand that. A lot of times I found that God's agenda for me is different than mine, and I have an agenda. Someone comes across my path with a need of some sort. That's probably God's agenda <laughs> for me. Switch gears. God has changed my agenda today because he's brought someone that needs him, needs me, needs love, needs care. Um, so I encourage you to let your agendas be flexible as God brings with people need across your path, because that's what Jesus did. 
Now, there is wisdom, obviously. We're not the Son of God. Um, there is the possibility that uh, because of someone's caring heart, you just become overwhelmed and, and drown in the sea of human need. So there is, there is wisdom in setting up you know, wise boundaries that way. But on the whole, um, the, the best plan is if God sends a person in need, show me, Jesus, how I can love this person, how I can care for this person. What can I, how can I genuinely care for this need? And for us, the, the point for us is for, to understand that he cares for, for you. He cares for your needs. He he, fed some very, he, he met some very practical needs in this particular example, right? He, he healed their illnesses and he gave them food. Two basic, basic human needs. So he is there for us, whatever need that we have. So just take time, I encourage you, take time to sit with him and be in his presence and allow him to love on you and care for you. In our country today, it's, I'm a victim of this myself. There's such a fast-paced nature to our day. God's, God's reminding me to slow down, to chill, just take it easy. Um, but if you haven't ever done this, I encourage you, take an hour or more. Get all by yourself. Find that desolate place. Find that lonely place. Just be with Jesus. And just pour out your heart to him. Pour out your fears, pour out your joys, pour out your anxieties, pour out your struggles. If you're, you're struggling with temptation, just be honest with him. God, I'm really struggling with this temptation. I know it's wrong, but my, I really want to do it. God, God begins to do business with us when we are honest with him, right? When we're raw and real. And just listen to him. And, and the best way to listen to him, I've found, is open up the Bible. <laughs> start reading and meditating. God speaks to me through his word. Uh, I'll give you an example of that in a little ways. But I encourage you, allow God to care for you. Allow God to give you what you need as you give yourself to him completely. But Jesus cares. The third point is that Jesus overcomes. If we go down to verse 22... Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up in the mountain by himself to pray. So you can see Jesus finally has this alone time. It's probably starting to get dark, so it's probably at least 8 o'clock, maybe 9 o'clock p.m. our time. Jesus, as he's cared with people, he, he gets alone time with the Father and, and Grieves and prays, pours out his heart, receives from the Father, communes with the Father all night long. And then in the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, oh, sorry, I skipped a, a verse. Verse 24, but, by, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, but it was beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So the disciples were struggling against it doesn't say it's a storm, but it probably is some kind of storm that's just, they can't make any headway of going anywhere, and they're really struggling. So in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the water. So the fourth watch of the night is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. But Jesus has spent 
at least maybe six, seven, eight hours praying. And then he knows his disciples are in need. So he says, I'm just going to walk out there and help them. <laughs> so he's, he's walking on the water, and the disciples' reaction, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. They were deeply afraid. They probably couldn't see him very well, this white apparition walking on the water. People don't walk on water. Must be a ghost. They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus went, Peter wanted a little assurance here. And uh, so Peter got out of the boat. No, Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are Son of God. I always thought, thought, thought it was interesting that, you know, they didn't say that after he fed 5,000. He didn't say that after he healed a leper. They said that after he calmed the sea and walked on the sea. In this passage, we see Jesus overcomes. Jesus is the overcomer. He conquers. He overcame gravity. He overcame wind. He overcame all forces of nature, walking to them. He shows Peter that it's possible. Disciples are buffeted by wind and waves, but he, he overcomes things. He calms the wind. He makes a way out for them. Jesus can help us overcome. Not, he doesn't only have compassion. He has power that can be used in our life. Today, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, you feel kind of just the, the weight of this whole pandemic thing and different people responding in different ways and judgmental attitudes and just polarization and you know, what is truth and all this divided government. It's easy to start sinking under fear and anxiety. But the good news is that Jesus can help us overcome this, rise above this, rise above the fear. He said to his disciples, do not be afraid. It is I. I'm here. Everything's okay now. I'm here. Ever said that as a parent to your kid and your kid's having a bad day? Ashley and Ben have several small kids. They're crying, ah, I'm scared, I'm scared. You know, it's okay, daddy's here. That's what he used to say to my, my daughter. Daddy's here now. Everything's okay. <laughs> no, they say it to my grandkids. Um, that's the way God treats us. So we're going to face headwinds of culture. We're in a spiritual battle. There's going to be headwinds of spiritual forces against us. We know we are wise to the fact that we are in a spiritual war. And there's going to be cultural headwinds. There's going to be spiritual headwinds. There's going to be just headwinds from my flesh, from my holes in my soul, from my infirmities. But let's look to Jesus for the power to overcome. I want to tell you a story, just an example of this from my life that happened uh, this week. Um, some of you that know me well know that every once in a while I'll get this, these attacks of like fear and anxiety and it's not paralyzing, but it's very disturbing. 
very troubling. And I don't know exactly, and I do believe it's warfare. I do believe uh, that's happening. There also may be just some holes in my soul, some, pre, some tendencies to that from my family background. Uh, that was happening earlier this week on Thursday. And uh, I asked Elaine to pray and a few others to pray. And uh, I just did what I was encouraging you to do. I just got alone with God and I said, God, I don't understand this. There's really no reason this should be happening. There's no horrible things happening in my life right now. But I can't control my emotions. I can't just turn them off. I can't turn this off. So Lord, just help me. Show me. And I started reading his word. And, and as I was doing that, I just felt the Father say to me, get your eyes off yourself and look at me. Look at me. And then he spoke the word faithfulness. And he reminded me of the time, a very horrible time, where horrible things were happening to me, where he gave me the gift of faith. And he gave me a song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I sing that song every morning, even though horrible things were happening. And he said, sing that song again. Thank me for my faithfulness. And I started doing that. And I, I picked out a couple of verses. It's great having phones where you can just search, like right now. <laughs> you don't have to pull a concordance off the shelf. And there's a couple of verses um, that God showed me. Deuteronomy 7, 9 uh, talks about the faithfulness of God. God is God, and he, he is faithful to thousands of generations for those who love him and obey him, right? And then... Um, 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And as I read that, I just started praying through that and meditating on it. God, I thank you. You are faithful. I thank you. You will establish me and you will guard me from all the power of the enemy. And I started singing that song and it just it broke right there. Everything flipped and turned around emotionally for me. I mean, I didn't know how to do it, <laughs> but God knew how to do it. And um, I have found this to be true when I speak forth the truth in his word. No matter what's happening to me, God's truth changes things. He overcomes. I've also found that the emotions are followers. They're not leaders. Emotions follow beliefs. Craig has said that several times here. Emotions follow belief. What am I believing? What am I believing down in my core? And so if I ask God for grace, God change how I believe. I believe, help my unbelief, right? Like that one man said, the blind man's father. I believe, help my unbelief. And uh, God, God shows up. Now, I have to also say, this doesn't always happen. Sometimes I do this same sort of thing and my emotions don't flip. <laughs> um, many times they do, but sometimes they don't. And what I do there is just say, look, this is still true. You are still faithful. <laughs> I'm not feeling the greatest, but you are still faithful. I thank you, I praise you. And eventually, after several days, uh, things will change, will turn around. So um, I encourage you, God is faithful. Another example of this for me was this morning. I'm driving in a church uh, worried about Craig and Kathy, 
worried about, one of my <laughs> worries was, there's a Vikings game, this parking lot's gonna be full, we'll be able to park here, you know, just concerned about stuff. And, um, and I was preaching like, oh, I hope we do a good job and all that. And, um, and I just felt this heaviness come on again. And then Mike played this song. Just, we don't usually do songs in the prayer meeting, but Mike Wong played this song. And um, at the mention of your name, all the chains break. At the mention of your name, all the chains break and everything is changed. And again, God just came on me and turned things around and intervened. And so um, I can testify that Jesus does overcome. He is the overcomer. As we connect ourselves with him, as we lean on him, as we understand and read and digest and, and chew on his word, as we speak forth his truth, as we just get alone with him, he shows up and he can change. You know, sometimes that happens in a, a place where we're alone. This morning it happened. In the prayer meeting, it is boom, it's just right there. You know, when you're with other believers, oftentimes there's, there's power in, in believers praying together. So we all need to go to lonely places. What's your lonely place? Where do you go when you want to pour your heart to God? Is there some place where you can just be by yourself? No one can hear you. No one can see you. It's just you and the Father. I encourage you to find that place. Understand that he grieves with you. He cares for you. He is there to help you overcome. God is the God who gives hope. It doesn't happen. I mean, sometimes it happens just spontaneously, but most of the time it happens when we set time aside, say, Lord, I need you as we meditate and digest his word, as we call to mind the things that God has done, God, in those moments, shows up and, and changes everything. So if you need hope, if you need to overcome, if, you need, if you're struggling with something, maybe it's a besetting sin, maybe it's uh, a relationship that's broken, maybe it's someone that's verbally abusive to you. Maybe it's you're looking for a job or you just want to graduate from college and get this degree. Um, as we submit all of our plans to him and all of our desires to him and say, Lord, do what you want to do in my life. I pour out all my fears and dreams and thoughts to you. I want you to give me your dreams. I want you to give me your thoughts. I want you to give me your plans for my life. God shows up and everything's Everything changes. Amen. So I want us, I'm going to pray here in a little bit, and we're going to move into a time of worship and communion. So the worship team can come up again. I want to go through, uh, yeah, these application sides. As, as we're do, taking communion and as we're uh, doing this last worship set here, I encourage you, to pray and, and search your soul. And is, do you need Jesus to grieve with you? Do you need Jesus just to care for you? Do you need Jesus to help you overcome something? And we want to just open up the altars here. You can come up here and pray. You can uh, stay in your seat, kneel and pray. But let's just take this worship time and communion time as a time 
to get alone with Jesus and offer your struggles, your joys, your victories, your defeats to him and look to him for power, hope, and courage. So Lord, we do look to you. We thank you that you are the overcoming God. We thank you, God, that you care. We thank you, God, that you grieve with us when we're going through difficult things. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that is there to help us overcome by the power of your Holy Spirit, not through our strength, but through your strength, O Lord. We invite you, God. We invite you into the places of our life, places of need, places of concern. And we pray for your truth, for your healing to come. In Jesus' name, amen.